previously on the FPL Banger Podcast. Ben Rama's one of those picks where if you don't, his ownership's really low, and that's because he didn't play last season, so his points are low from last season. But if you're somebody who paid attention to preseason, you'll see he's getting minutes, he's starting games, he's scoring, and he's playing well. If you look at fan comments, they all say, this guy's amazing. So happy to see Moise has come around to him. You look at the players, Antonio saying, such a good player, he's he's on fire. I feel Ben Rama is the kind of pick that rewards the extra effort that you and I and all these other FPL managers on Twitter and you know go through to try and find these gems. These are the kind of picks that the casuals, so to speak, will not think about. People who don't look into this would know, you know, they'll just think Ben Rama not safe. I'll just stick with the same, you know, the same old guys I picked last season. Ben Rama is one of those picks, I feel. If you've put in the effort, he's somebody who's going to reward you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the FPL Banger Podcast. This is the Game Week 3 preview. My name is Siva, and I'm joined by Sam. Sam, how did Game Week 2 go? Definitely build out by having um, both Trent and Simikas. Bruno, captain, didn't work out. I was very smug when um, Salah blanked. Turns out Bruno, you know, came worse. Only one pointer. So that, you know, with the captain, that makes two points. So really bad. But overall, still um, pretty decent, I think. You got 69 points, which is yeah, all right. 69 points. It's all right, you know. Yeah. Acceptable, I guess. At this stage, it's in, considering we both got 100 last week. I think 69 is all right. I got 78. Uh, I think the only major difference between your team and my team in terms of points was I had Ings, I think, and you had Wilson. I think that's where most of the difference comes. Yeah. But yeah, Bruno captain for me. Uh, oh, no, wait. Salah captain for me. And I was very happy to see your message uh, telling me that you were smug about Bruno captain. And then about 10 hours later, maybe less so. So that was nice. Uh, but I mean, 78 points at this stage, I think it's all right. Uh, I had Ben Rama, you had Antonio. So we sort of split that. But as you'll find out, I think I may be fixing that very soon. So anyway, enough about our teams, and let's get straight to the questions. We're going to start off with defenders, then we'll work our way down to mids and forwards, as we usually do, and then captaincy. Starting off with defenders, Sam, a lot of questions this week about uh, Simikas, and also budget defenders, and just who to get in. So we've got questions here from AGFBL, thinking of replacing Simikas, should I go with Kufal or Sanchez or Region? Uh, FPL Swang saying Kufal or Liveramento for Game Week 3. Aisha asking, can I get Shane Duffy in as well? Gard Effendi asking, what is the exit strategy for Simicast? So a lot of Simicast questions here. We also got questions about Luke Shaw from Karthik and Nick. And finally, questions about Dean from Slimers. So Sam, a lot of stuff to cover here. Let's start off with the budget defense. You've got Simicast. So what's your plan with Simicast? I think there is a very high chance that Robo starts, right? But it's not really set in stone. So I'm actually kind of debating with myself. I have a decent bench. Should I just risk it, play Simikas again one more week? Or should I just bench him? Is it worth a transfer? Can I just let him rot on the bench for the rest of the season? That kind of thing. I know people want to bank in that 0.1, right? Um, sell him, bring in a 4.0, bank that 0.1. So there's a lot of things to think about. But if you want to replace, then out of the other 4.0 defenders, I think Livramento is the best option right now. Duffy, I don't know. Do you think Duffy will keep his place, Siva? So I've been reading as much as I can on this because I'm really interested in Shane Duffy because he was a really good FPL prospect when he first was in the game a few years ago. Went off on loan to Celtic last season and he had a very bad season on loan to Celtic. 
before he left, the theory was that Graham Potter didn't really like Shane Duffy's style of play. Potter likes his, you know, play with the ball, play it out the back, and Duffy is more of an old school centre back. But I was listening to Potter's interviews after the recent Brighton matches. He seems to be really positive about Duffy. He says he's been working hard in preseason. He's tried to get back up to speed. You listen to Duffy as well. And Duffy had a lot of personal problems in his life last season. Lost a parent as well. So a lot of these things, deeper issues at play, basically. He's played really well. And Duffy, in fact, with his goal that day against Watford, he is the third highest scoring centre-back in the league all the way back to 2017, behind only Dunk and Virgil van Dijk. That's pretty impressive when you consider Duffy missed the entire season of Premier League football. I was looking at the athletics analysis on set pieces from Brighton and they showed how at set pieces, Brighton attack corners with Webster, Duffy and Dunk. Webster goes forward, Dunk goes backwards and that creates space for Duffy. So a lot of things that I'm seeing here just seems like it's set up for Duffy to do well. He's scored already in game week two. He's having a lot of shots if you watch the games. His main Threat here is competition. I think that's the biggest issue Duffy has because Brighton have Veltman who can come back, play centre-back. They've got Dan Byrne also could play centre-back. But a lot of these things, they just aren't back yet, right? So I think similar to what my principle has always been so far this season with Greenwood, with Ben Rama, with all these people is you got to play what's in front of you. Right now, Duffy is nailed. He should play the next game. He's probably going to play the one after that because guys like Veltman and Byrne, even if they're ready to come back, which you don't know, would need time to get up to speed. No preseason football, right, for these guys. So I think you run with Duffy. If you trust the Brighton defense, which I do, because we all have Sanchez, so I mean, most of us do, so I think you trust the Brighton defense. Highest number of clean sheets outside of Man City and Chelsea since 2021 started. So 13 clean sheets for City and Chelsea, 10 for Brighton. 4.1 defender. You don't really have much to lose. The only thing you're losing is that 0.1 difference between Duffy and Livramento. I think for the quality of defense that Brighton have versus Southampton, I think it's worth it. Although I may just get Livermore as well at a later date. I think it's important to note that right now, none of them are nailed for the season, so to speak, right? Like, like you said, Duffy, he's probably nailed the next few games, but beyond that, we are not sure. At any point, um, Potter could bring in Veltman, which was expected to be his original plan, right? Um, the back three of Veltman, Dunk and Webster. So it could happen at any point. Doesn't seem likely now, but three weeks later, four weeks later, we don't know. Same with Livermento, who is right now taking Carl Walker, Carl Walker Peters. That's a mouthful. Um, so yeah, he's taking his place. We expect him to keep it for the next few weeks at least, but beyond that, can't say for sure. Amati as well has um, Vestergaard coming in, right? You would expect Vestergaard to take his place eventually too. So I think it's okay to have to go from Simikas to one of these players. But I would hesitate or I would advise against loading up your team with like three of these 4.0 players because eventually you're going to have to transfer them out. Because I see there are some people saying they already own Livermento and now they want to bring in Duffy um, and then they also you know maybe have Amati and things like that. So I wouldn't have too many of them because eventually once they all lose their place, if they all lose their place, you're going to be stuck right there uh, with not enough defenders. So I would go maybe two, two 4.0 defenders max. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I can't disagree too much with that. Although I will say that Magnus Carlsen, you know, the, the chess maestro, right, who's finished like top 10 in FPL, he did start the season with three, four, four million defenders. I don't know how he feels about that right now, but 
it's just something to think about. I personally think it, it, this is not as big a deal as we make it out to be because we're all planning to wildcard. At least I definitely know I'm wildcarding, say, by Game Week 7. So I'm not really too concerned about looking too far forward. As long as I can get a team out week to week, I think I'm okay. I, but I agree with you generally. I wouldn't want to have too many of these guys. And that's why I have like one 4.5 just in, as a backup. Uh, between Duffy and Livermento, though, Sam, I think we I mean, if you had to pick one, it sounds like you're going to Livermento. So I'm going with a different strategy this year, right? Last year I was with you, you know, I said like I'm going to wildcard on a certain game week. This year I'm going to not have any plans like that. I'm just going to leave my wildcard open and I'll use it when I need it. So because of that, I'm looking a bit more long-term. And it seems like Livermento has a better chance of keeping his place in the team um, based on what I read um, by Southampton fans. They've been very impressed. And apparently, he can also play on the other wing or Kawaka Peters can also play on the other side. So they expect him to keep his place somewhat. Yeah, all right. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I was really impressed with how Livermento played against United. He had some really amazing runs. He, there's one run where he just runs 50 yards down the line. He leaves Fred for dead, basically. So very impressed. And I could have had an assist as well, set up a really nice chance for Armstrong at the end. I think either guy is fine if you have the cash, if you want to go Duffy or so. For me, I think that's pers- you know, personally, that's fine. But we were asked to consider other options in and around their prices, right? So we had questions here of like FPL Swang saying Kufal or Livermento. AG FPL also asking Kufal or Region or Sanchez. So going up to 4.5s and 5s, Sam, who would you say is the standout picks at those price brackets? Sanchez is talking about David, Davison, Davison, yeah, Davison Sanchez, Sanchez from Spurs. Yeah. I don't think he's nil, or at least we are not sure yet, right? No, see, uh, Christian Romero, Romero has, has just been signed. So yeah. you have Dyer, Romero, and Sanchez. So, I mean, any Spurs centre-back for me is a risk. Yeah, I'm okay with Regulon. They seem quite solid, but then again, they did concede a lot of chances to Wolves um, last week. So I would pick Kufal over all of these. I really like Kufal. I think even before the start of the season, you know, we both do like Kufal. He, I think he got nine assists last season, which is crazy. West Ham, now they are conceding goals, but going forward, they're doing well. He got an assist last week, yeah, last weekend, right, Kofal? Yeah, against so, Leicester. Yeah, for in the 5.0 range, I would pick Kofal as my top pick. Yeah, no disagreements. Uh, I am not really convinced on Region. I haven't seen the attacking potential. Yes, I see him run up and down the flanks, but I haven't seen the attacking end product from him last season or even this season. I don't think Spurs have the best fixtures either. They've got uh, Chelsea and Arsenal coming up, I think, in the next four. So I I'm not sure about that. I, and I will also say that Spurs, yes, they have had tough fixtures to start, but they've given up a lot of shots, not just against Man City, but against Wolves. They give up a lot of shots. So I'm not sure about their defense yet. To be fair, I'm not sure West Ham either, but at least with Kuval, you kind of know what you're getting. He's definitely got attacking end product there. He's got assist potential. So I would put him slightly ahead of Reggio. Yep, yep. <laughs> Agreed. I think we both like Kufa. We're big fans of him. So yeah. But come back. So I, I'm sorry, we're circling back, Sam. But are you keeping Simikas this week? Because we never really... Because you said you're going to, you know, probably put him on the bench or maybe just start him. Like, I can tell you personally, I most likely will lose Simikas this week because I want to give myself, uh, free myself of that Liverpool you know, triple up and give myself the opportunity to jump on Jota if I want to in gaming four and onwards because Jota's still returning. 
I guess it's team dependent, right? So I guess for your team, you're happy with everyone. So you can kind of burn a transfer taking out Simikas, right? In my case, I'm thinking about selling other players in my team. So therefore, taking out Simikas is lower in my priority list. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it's all team dependent. It's obviously not of urgency to you. I guess I'm perhaps in a different place in my team, so it's something I feel like I can do. Now, coming on to the higher tier of defenders, we've got Nick, CFC Nick here, uh, and also Karthik talking about Shaw, and Slimer's asking about Dean. So Shaw and Dean, I own Shaw, Sam. You own Shaw too. I'm getting really frustrated. Like, why can't your team keep any clean sheets? Like, you all give up <laughs> goals. for. I, I lost Shaw's clean sheet, what, in the first 20 minutes against Southampton? Like, what the hell, man? We've been unlucky in that sense. Okay, there are two, two ways to look at it. The first way is we've been unlucky. Again, Southampton, it was a deflected shot. Against um, Leeds last week, it was a wonder goal, right? From Ailing. Unstoppable. Aside from that, you know, no goals considered other than those two. That said, in both games, we did concede chances where they had really good ch- um, chance, opportunity to score, right? Against Southampton, we gave. I think Armstrong, yeah, Armstrong had a one-on-one because of our poor passes from the back. De Gea made a great save, so he saved that. So, two ways to look at it. One is we've been unlucky. On the other, we've also been lucky for not conceding more. So, so what's the solution here, Sam? Do I persevere with Luke Shaw? Because I had him in Euro Fantasy and he was a legend. And I watched <laughs> the games and I think, my God, I'm going to get so many assists. I see how many crosses he puts in. I see him on set pieces. But I'm not getting end product. So, is it a question of just, it's coming, you just got to be patient? Yeah, I I do think so. We do expect our defense to get better once Varane starts. And there's also the issue of Pogba being on the left wing, kind of starting out on the left, but he drifts inside so much, then Shaw is kind of isolated on that left side. So there's a whole like team chemistry thing going on also to consider. But that's it. Shaw had two bonus points this week, right? If you watch the game, a lot of our play was relying on him. It went through him a lot. So I am I think it's okay to keep Shaw, at least for the next few weeks. I'm sure there are other players in the team that is higher up in the priority to move out. I would advise to keep Shaw first. Okay, fair. And what about Dean, Luca Dean? Because I think, I mean, Everton, I didn't start with Luca Dean because I wasn't convinced about Everton's defensive uh, stability to begin with. They haven't really impressed in the first two matches, uh, conceding twice against Leeds. But their fixtures are getting easier. So, I mean, for, personally for me, I think if you already have Dean, maybe that is not a transfer you need to make now. Yeah, I agree. They do have a good run of fixtures coming up. And he is putting in the crosses for DCL, right? I think um, last week he put in one or two really good chances. So, an assist is definitely coming, you know. I'll be okay with keeping Dean for now, I think. Yeah, and you just got to see any Everton match, Rafa's entire game plan is just cross, cross, cross. All the wingers, all the the, the fullbacks are just told to cross the ball into DCL's direction. So, you know, hopefully you're going to get something soon, I think. I think that's us done with the defense section. There is one more, which is Ben White. Ah, okay. Yes, okay. So Ben White. Uh, I mean, I'll address this. I have Ben White. It's an... I have horrible luck in transferring Arsenal players. The last one I got was Oba, who got stopped in a parking lot or got stuck in a traffic jam. So Ben White out with COVID. He's not back for Man City. And it's a bit worrying that 
by Tuesday, he's already been ruled out for a game on the weekend. So I don't know what that tells you about his COVID situation because we, we know it affects different players differently. Oba came back very quickly, but Lacazette is still out. It's hard to say. I think the problem that you have also with Ben White is his price is going to go down. He's already trending downwards. It's definitely going to drop before the deadline. Normally, I would say you just hold on because he's got great fixtures after uh, Game Week 3. So Game Week 4 onwards, he's got a really good set of fixtures. But if price value uh, affects your moves that you want to make for other players, then I think if you've got free transfers, you just get rid. Unfortunately, that's just the situation we're in now because you don't know when he's going to come back and you don't want to be stuck with him after the break as well if he's not back. Okay. <laughs> we can move on, I guess. Oh, we do have one question here from Sharul asking us about Wolves' defense because he's looking at the 4.6 price bracket. I think Wolves are a bit unlucky not to have gotten any clean sheets so far. Two 1-0 defeats. One of those goals was a penalty against Spurs, and Leicester, I think, had very low XG in their match. Vardy scored the only goal there. Would you be considering anybody from Wolves? Yeah, I think Cody, right? Cody is 4.5 still. Cheap, nail. Their next match is against United, though, at home. That said, they always seem to do well against United. But after the United match, they have a really nice run of games, right? Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle, Villa, Leeds. So nice run there. Maybe if you can, just hold on first for a week. And then, you know, if you need a replacement, 4.5 defenders. You know, Cody would be good, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think at that price bracket, probably looks the best. Let's get into midfielders, right? And... First question here from Joseph Melvin. Need to replace Maris and looking to get a United asset in. Which one do I bring out of Pogba, Greenwood or Sancho? Sancho, I would wait until he really starts and starts producing. I think it's something we've talked about and I think me and you, we kind of believe in, in this spot that you don't jump the gun, right? Don't bring them too early because you expect them to do well. Kind of wait for them to show that they will do well before you bring them in. So I think it's just too early for Sancho. If he doesn't start again, I mean, his price has been dropping. He's due to drop another um, 0.1 sometime today or tomorrow. If he doesn't start again, that's probably another 0.1, 0.2 there. You're going to lose a lot of value. So I think the risk is just too great for Sancho. Stay away first. Between Pogba and Greenwood, now this is interesting, right? Because Pogba, I mean, he's one of the, I think in terms of points, he's what, second now behind Benrama for midfielders. They already have five assists, right? 20 points. That said, I would still go Greenwood over Pogba because Pogba seems to be taking a more um, assist role. Greenwood's the main goal scorer right now. And you can see it in the match, right? They're all looking towards Greenwood. He's really grown uh, in this two, shown that he's grown in these past two games. I will go Greenwood over Pogba. Plus, the other thing is the uncertainty with Pogba's situation. You know, if he really doesn't renew his contract, will Ole continue to play him every game or start uh, the transition, you know, with an- another player? Plus, he's in a way out of position, right? He's a center. He's usually plays in the middle. Right now, he's kind of playing at the wing, although he drifts inside a lot. How would that line up once um, Sancho is back, uh, Sancho starts, once Cavani is back, once Rashford is back? Where will Pogba play? So it's too much uncertainty there. I will go for Greenfoot. We both have Greenwood, so maybe there's some bias here, but nothing I've seen in the matches would suggest there should be anybody else. And also, i just say that Marshall played so badly against Southampton that I have to think Greenwood is back in centre-forward for the next match. 
Yeah, definitely. Don't get me started on Marshall. <laughs> Don't get me started on the United performance. Let's move on, man. Yeah, let's move on. Hey, happier topic here. FPL Vicky and FPL Robinson asking if you have to transfer either Gundo or Barnes out for Ben Rama, who would it be? So very happy to talk about Ben Rama because Sam, you remember gaming one, I said Ben Rama was the pick to go for. Now between Gundo and Barnes, I feel like you probably get rid of Gundo first. I know there's a lot of upset about Harvey Barnes because again, subbed off early. But I think it, it really is a case of unfortunate circumstances because Leicester went down to 10 men really early. Yes, they didn't play great after that, but the point is they were playing with 10 men. So there's only so much they can do. West Ham, a really good side. I do think you give Barnes, if you've held him this long and you have no other urgent moves to make, I would keep Barnes if you can. And in this case, definitely Gundogan would be the one I get rid of because it's City and all the midfielders. It's such a minefield anyway. Yeah. I'm actually... I, I really think Barnes needs to go despite playing Norwich next. Ooh. But if it's specific between Gundo and Barnes, now that's a different question, right? Because ideally, I, I, want, I don't really want either of them in my team. So I have Barnes and I'm looking to transfer him out this week, definitely. I know he's playing Norwich next. Norwich just considered five against City, but I'm looking more at form rather than fixture. And there are players in better form with good fixtures too, namely Ben Rama, right? <laughs> so to me, I would make Barnes to Ben Rama. But if you're asking specifically between Gundo and Barnes, then maybe I would go Gundo first because there's always that threat of, you know, he might not even start the next game, right? Fair. So let's let's try a process of elimination here because we also have a question from Jen about Greenwood and it involves Barnes. So would you get rid of Barnes to get Greenwood? And I'm assuming you're going to say yes as well. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely. Like I said, I definitely think at this moment form over fixture, right? Barnes just has not been showing the right form. Greenwood, he's been playing well. So yeah, definitely I'll go Greenwood. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I can... I can sort of accept that. It just feels, you know, kind of sad that you're giving up that fixture of Norwich. But on the plus side, uh, Greenwood has good fixtures and is playing up top for United. Ben Rama, excellent, playing at home. So I can't fault you for that. And I will say one thing that's annoying about Barnes is this 60-minute substitutions. It really doesn't make sense. And that's something that none of the other assets, Greenwood or Ben Rama, are dealing with at the moment. Yep. How long until Rogers, you know, decides to go back to that? change the system to go 3-5-2 since they've been getting bad results right i mean we don't know there's all these questions i'm just looking at it i feel it's better to just go for the informed players since they have good fixtures too all right i think that's also asked uh answered fpl Marcha's question who's so depressed about barnes he just wrote barnes let's say you didn't even say the question so i think i i can see how you guys feel about this so uh, fpl frazier asking us best midfielders to target in the six to eight million price bracket for the next three to four game weeks. So, I'm... Ben Rama? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has to be, right? I mean, he's such... You know, not tooting our own horn. He just really has been on fire. And I've always... See, I see the same things today, right? People trying to say, is it really that good? His XGA, his XG maybe isn't that high. His goal seems very easy because it's like an open goal. But I just think West Ham playing with so much confidence. Ben Rama is clearly central to that. It's a no-brainer at this point. And he's still such good value at that price. Beyond Ben Rama, I really like Rafinha. I thought the goal against in the weekend against Everton was amazing. 
Yeah, I have Rafinha. You do too, right? Do you? No, I don't. I have Greenwood ah, okay. and Benrama and Mars, so I don't have space for Rafinha. It actually there really is a lot of good midfielders this season, which is really nice. Rafinha is definitely someone I'm looking to get into soon. If not this week, then maybe next week. Yeah, yeah. I have Rafinha. Even in the first game against United, he almost scored. Second game, he did score. I think he's good to hold. Mm, but, I mean, if he's asking the best, wouldn't you put Greenwood over Rafinha? No. If you're ranking them, right? No, and, and we talked about this even last week, right? When you were asking me about rankings, right? And I did say Ben Rama, I think, is the standout. Even above some of these higher-priced assets, I still have Ben Rama at the top of the list. I just think the way he's central to the attack and he has safety of starts. That I think in excess of people like Greenwood who all said and done at some point, not now, but at some point in the next three to four game weeks, I think will be somewhat of a rotation risk once Cavani's actually back in. So I do think that's when Greenwood, I mean, he's not a bad pick, but he's not going to be as good value. Jota is really good. You know, we don't have Jota because yeah. we have Simicas, but he's still taking over. He's still scoring. He's doing it despite coming off at 60 minutes. So I think Jota can be a season keeper this year um, simply because it seems Klopp has kind of I mean, previously, we, we know his preferred front three has always been Firmino, Mane, and Salah. The fact that Jota has been starting as a striker over Firmino is a really good sign. I don't think he will start every single game, right? Yeah, There will be some games where Firmino starts, but Jota will come in. And I'm okay with Jota coming in as a sub uh, here and there. So I really think Jota can be a really good player to have for the entire season. Kind of looking to get him in. Not this week, because I'm about to play Chelsea, but you know, in the near future. Yeah, and they have a really good run of fixtures after the Chelsea fixture. Then it's Leeds, and then they have a very good run. So I think Jota is a good pick. And that's kind of why I want to get rid of Simeka soon. The other guy I would suggest, and it's not even in the 6 to 8 million bracket, it's 5.5, it's Damare Gray. And I see a lot of Leicester fans who don't like this pick, but I think Damare Gray looked really good in the first two games of Everton. Scored uh, this week against Leeds. He's playing this fluid role where he's sometimes on the left, sometimes on the right. So he's taking shots from both angles. He's crossing to Calvert-Lewin. He's 5.5 million. I mean, his price in FPL is higher than his actual price in real life. I think they bought him for like 1 mil. So I'm just really impressed. And Rafa has been speaking very, you know, very well about him. Everton have a great run of fixtures. And if you're targeting DCL for that run, I think a 5.5 million enabler, when all the other 5.5 million options like Smith, Rowe, and uh, if you go down Odegaard, they don't really stand out as offering that much. I really like Demar Gray. Interesting. I didn't. He wasn't even in my consideration until now. I'll take a closer look at him and see. Mark my words, mate. In a few weeks, you, you, he will be in your consideration. Okay. Okay. Hey, hey, we're moving quick today, but it's all right because we want to get this out to you soon. So, DCL and Ings. Okay, this this is a question I've seen on Twitter all day long. Because Calvert-Lewin is rising. Ings already had one rise, but I don't think he's going to get more than that. So do people sell Danny Ings for Calvert-Lewin? That's, what, that's our question here from MCR underscore comes. Hey, who is Villa playing next? Let me check. Brentford. <laughs> ah, okay. Brentford. I think people are doing it kind of because of Ings' uh, fixtures after Brentford. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. So they're kind of like, DCL is about to rise. I'm going to sell Inks anyway in game week format. So do it now before I get priced out of it. I think that's okay. Yeah, if you're doing Inks to DCL and you know you don't have the money or worry about that. Definitely long-term DCL has better fixtures. DCL is the main penalty taker also. 
Ings, we assume he will take it if Al-Ghazi is not on the pit, right? But we... But that's what Dean Schmidt said. He said that uh, Ings is the guy who takes it when Al-Ghazi is not on the pitch. But that really annoyed me because, like, I mean, I only want Ings because he is on pens. If he's not even the first choice pen taker. And I think I should also note, Villa have scored four goals from four shots on target. That is not sustainable. So Yeah. I mean, he did well last weekend. But then again, so going back to the fixtures, right? After Brentford, he's going to play Chelsea, Everton, United, Spurs, Wolves, Arsenal, all in a row. So I think make the move if you're going to be priced out, right? If you have 0.5 in the bank and whatnot, then maybe you can hold on one more week if you want to make other transfers. Because Everton is about to play Brighton, right? Brighton's at home. And as we all know, Brighton can be very solid defensively on their day. So it's not a guaranteed goal for Everton per se. It's not definitely not an easy fixture in that sense. So if you can delay it one week, I'm okay with that. But if you can't because of price and you want to do it this week, I think that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, clean sheet odds, I've been looking up. Uh, Brighton have higher clean sheet odds than Brentford this week, as you would expect. So, And Brighton will be playing at home. So I don't think this is a priority transfer. It does feel a bit like a luxury move. But like Sam says, if you really don't want to lose on price because Calvert-Lewin is going to rise again, fair enough. Can't argue against it. Long-term, Calvert-Lewin probably is the better pick. Yep. Agreed. All right. Not bad. We've covered all the positions we wanted to cover. Um, beyond saying, we didn't talk about Antonio, but that's because I think everybody's getting him in anyway. Yeah. But, hey, that, that leads us nicely into captaincy. So we've got a few questions here. Wait, hang we- on, Siva. Are we not going to talk about Lukaku at all? So it's okay. So it's interesting, right? That I think we've not gotten that many questions about Lukaku that I could flag up. I think mostly because, you know, either people are too shy to say it because everybody in FPL is like, oh no, he's too expensive. His fixtures only turn in gaming seven. Uh, cheap plug, right? I did an appearance on Fox Sports Asia to talk about a bunch of stuff on FPL, including Lukaku. And my thought was that you should get Lukaku as soon as you can, probably by game week four. But why not you tell me, Sam? What do you think? Because the price is quite difficult to accommodate. Yeah, I think the next match is, is against Liverpool, which is definitely a hard game. Liverpool at home too, right? He played really well though. So even if you're not bringing him in this week, it's worth thinking or planning how are you going to bring him in the week after or in the near future at least. Would you have Lukaku ahead of the mid-price options that we talk about, so ahead of Calvert-Lewin, ahead of Antonio, it's hard to assess. I mean, just just some stats, right? In terms of non-penalty expected goals, Lukaku is third in the league, which is insane because he's played one match less than everybody else. So, So that just shows how productive he was against Arsenal. He could have scored more goals. You know, he hit the bar, he had an assist for Harvard, which Harvard didn't put away. But the fixtures aren't great. Villa is a good fixture. But apart from that, he's got City, he's got Chelsea, he's got Spurs. What do you think about waiting till game except? He is Chelsea, bro. Oh, sorry. He's got fixtures <laughs> against Liverpool, City, and Spurs around that. Game week 7 is where Chelsea's fixtures really start to pick up. Do you think you can wait? Because for me personally, I'll just tell you my plan is basically, I'm going to wait till game week 4. And I, if I need to get him in, it's probably going to be the wild card. I don't think I want to take that many hits to get him in. So I might just you know smash the wild card and then restructure the team to fit him in. But would you have him ahead of people like Cavalier and Antonio, who are performing quite well? Definitely, actually. I think yes, the fixtures look bad, but Tuchel 
has shown that he can, you know, get um Chelsea can win, right? 1-0, 2-0, and you will expect it to come from, you know, Lukaku. He's been in that one game he played, you can see that he's the real focal point of the entire attack. I think this he backed it up with stats too, right? Um not only XG, but even um key passes and chances created. So I think it's been really encouraging. Now the Liverpool game is tough, but then after that Villa Spurs away is not as tough as it seems. Then City at home, and we all know <laughs> Tuchel has Pep's number, right? I wouldn't say it's... Obviously, it's not ideal, but it's not necessarily unscorable fixtures either. I think if you can, I would do it in game week four, especially if he's encouraging um, in this game week. And also, if the price is going up, and I would expect at least one rise for Lukaku, before we even hit game week three, it's going to reach a point where you just have no choice because it's become unaffordable. So that's something to consider, I guess. But how though? You gotta can have we to... even fit three premiums in? Technically four, because you can even consider Trent as a premium, right? A premium defender. It's not easy. I've looked at a few drafts and basically you have to have a bunch of 4.0 defenders in addition to Trent, which is doable. But you also have to have maybe some 5.5 mids, which is why I was talking about Damari Gray. So there is a plan where I could fit in Lukaku with the likes of Gray and hopefully even somebody like Tony if Tony starts to pick up. But that it's a very unbalanced team structure. I think if you want to do it right, you have to consider letting go of one of Bruno or Salah. Would you? Would you let go of Bruno or Salah? It's definitely not this game week. And that's, uh, I mean, I'm pushing it to another week, but definitely it's not this week. I mean, game week three, just I don't see the rush to get him in for game week three. I think you can definitely wait till four. And I think in four, we'll have a clearer picture. There'll be injuries from the international break. There'll be all sorts of stuff that happens. At that point, I think you can assess. I'm not scared to smash the wildcard to get Lukaku in if I need to. So I'm sort of making my transfers this week, not thinking too short-term, but at the same time, not worrying too much about the long-term. If I need to get him in for four, I'll get him in some way. If not, if I can hold off for maybe two more weeks, I'll do that too. Okay, fair enough. I think I'm the same also. Just, you know, uh, planning the drafts and things like that. Would you consider, because I think this question may cross our listeners' um, their minds, but would you consider um, selling Salah for Jota and then getting Lukaku? No. And I would appreciate that, obviously, same fixtures and Jota is performing well. Some cases, maybe you could say he's even outperforming Salah. But I just think the nailness of Salah and that run that Liverpool have, right? From game week four, they play Leeds, Palace, Brentford, and then Watford in game week eight. I just think having a nailed Liverpool attacker, as opposed to somebody like Jota, as good as he is at his price point, I feel like he's the kind of guy you own together with Salah, not either or. Similar to how people are owning Simikas and then saying that covers Trent. And I disagree. I think you need both. It's just, you've got to have the guy who's 100% nailed as well as the guy who gets a lot of minutes. Okay, fair enough. I think, like you said, there's not much we can do here in this week. We'll you know, have to wait one more week before we can make better decisions. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I don't think there's anything to gain really by running in this week. I think a lot of other attackers have better fixtures. And not to say Joe, uh, Lukaku can't return this week, it's just that I don't expect him to get more than a goal. So do you really want to get somebody who you're not going to captain for just one goal? Maybe not. That's just what I would say. Shall we get into captaincy, Sam? Yep, let's go for it. All right, so the main question here, I think a lot of people are discussing between Antonio, Mares. Bruno, we have a question here from Vardy Boys asking, is Mahrez a captaincy shout? 
normally I hesitate to captain Man City mids, but Man City do play the first game. It's a Saturday game, so you may get, hopefully, early lineup news. Always hard to say. But a lot of questions, especially to me, Sam, about your captaincy pick. Are you going to go for Bruno <laughs> or Antonio? So why don't you tell me, Sam? I don't know. I don't know yet, actually. Oh, man. Right now, based on my current um, team draft, the captaincy is on Bruno. Right? I want to give you another chance after what happened last week. I think United themselves will be itching to, you know, go out there and attack. But that said, Antonio on such good form, right? Three goals, three assists in two games, 13 points, 16 points. Will he get another um, double-digit haul? Can he? Three in a row against Crystal Palace playing at home? I don't think it's out of the question, right? So it is extremely tempting. I haven't decided, actually. Since you can't step up, Sam, I will. I'm captaining Antonio. Okay, it, it's not even up for debate. He's playing Palace. He's on form. He's already got his celebrations planned. He's got cardboard cutouts of himself to lift. And you just see the motivation, right? You're never going to get an... First of all, getting an Antonio who's fit, I mean, is, is already a miracle in itself. Crystal Palace have looked awful. They've conceded so many shots. 3-0 lost to Chelsea. I watched the Brentford game. They drew 0-0. Brentford controlled the game. I mean, this is a promoted side from the championship. Yes, they beat Arsenal, but they went to Selhurst Park and they dominated Palace. Palace were just basically holding on. I think West Ham are just going to run riot. Antonio, for me, is an easy pick, and I think he will be the majority pick. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't like effective ownership and you know losing out big points, I think Antonio is the guy to captain this week. In fact, I think it's so much that I sold Ings today morning before the price rise to get Antonio in so I can captain him this weekend. And that's how confident I am that Antonio is going to hold this week. What about um, City players, right? Mares, would you advise anyone against it? I have Mares, so I can definitely see the temptation. I will say that I've kept Mares because Arsenal was so bad down that, well, it's, you know, the opponent's right flank, but their left flank, where Tierney was playing, Reese James had the time of his life there. So that's why I've kept Mares. But it is still Man City. And as reliable as team leaks may be, you're never going to get 100% leak before the deadline. And so for that reason alone, I'm reluctant to risk it on Mares because, I, you know, we, he was subbed. He came on as a sub against uh, Norwich, which I didn't expect because. He was brought off early against Spurs. So I thought, okay, he gets the full game here. He didn't. It just feels yeah. like a lot to risk. And an unnecessary risk. I would take it in a week where you don't have other viable picks. But in a week where you have Bruno, you have Antonio. I feel like captaining Mares is something you don't need to do. You have other options that would work probably just as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm, yeah. <laughs> because I know you're going Antonio now, I'm very tempted to stick it on Bruno just to be different. See, this is why we, you know, it's almost detrimental because you're on a pod with me. You feel like you, you're trying to better me, Sam, but you can't, right? You just know that Antonio <laughs> is the better pick. Yeah. All signs does point to Antonio this week. So, and well, we'll take the rest of the week to figure it out. We'll post our teams before the deadline. So you will eventually know what we went for or what I went for in the end. Yeah, you know what I'm going for. So I, mean, I, think, I think that's pretty easy. Uh, lastly, I just, uh, just quickly to say about our mini league, right? So if you haven't joined, uh, the podcast mini league, the code is 
307-V8J, all small letters, and our leader this week, Patrick Schmidt, is overall ranked 391 in the world with 212 points, 102 points this week. Whoa, what? <laughs> yes, who, who is getting 100 points back to back? We have somebody, a leader of our mini league. So Patrick here. And the secret, because it's, the Patrick's team is, I'd say, broadly similar to both yours and mine. One or two players standing out here. Captain Greenwood, though. Ooh, big shout. Cool. It's just a really strong team, actually. Yeah, I'll just read it out quickly. Sanchez, Trent, Shaw, Simicas, nothing to see there. Bruno, Salah, Greenwood, Benrama, El Ghazi. Interesting. Ings and Antonio. So solid team, but Greenwood captaincy. That's what takes it over the 100-point mark. Congratulations. Yeah, 390th in the world, which is amazing. First in the Netherlands as well. Not well, bad. Not bad. Uh, it's better than not bad. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations, man. Yeah. Enjoy your 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 week at the top of our our podcast league. Yeah, it's heating up. We got we got to keep up. You know, maybe, maybe you should try differential captaincy. Sam. maybe you should captain Greenwood. Why aren't you captaining Greenwood? No, you're you're just putting more thoughts into my mind now. No, it's a genuine question because I've seen a few people ask about this. We had a friend of the pod, FPL Mihir, who did Captain Greenwood. And I think he was the only person I saw on Twitter really pushing it. And that was last week. But I wonder, why isn't Greenwood a legit captaincy option at this point? I think it's just the threat of being taken off early all rotation, right? Of course, we expect him to start. But at any point, Ole could just, just decide to play Marshall. You know what I'm saying? Whereas we know for sure Bruno will start every single game if he's fit. Alright. Fair, fair enough. I can't argue too much with that. Oh, one last point. A lot of uh, question marks over players who might not be available because of international duty and quarantine and so on. Uh, just from what I've been reading today, it just seems like the Premier League clubs are going to try and band together to stop this from happening. So... My personal opinion, I don't know what you think, Sam, but my personal opinion here is just that you make your transfers as you want to. I don't think this is going to be an issue. If it is, you smash the wildcard. But I don't think this should stop you from making transfers that you need to make. Yeah, especially if those transfers are going to bring you points, right? Like, don't say, oh, I'm not going to bring in Antonio because he's playing for Jamaica and he might be quarantined. And then you miss out on the next haul or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say that late in the season, that's definitely a consideration. But now when we all have a wild card, you can't afford to miss out on so many price rises and guys who may haul because it's just too big a risk. And I think that's a much bigger risk. I had this last season where I was scared to transfer anybody who was suspected you know, to be connected to another team that has COVID. And you'll just drive yourself crazy. You can't control all that stuff. So just make your transfers as you normally would, I think. Yep, I agree. Just play what you have ahead of you, right? That's that's so much of what we're doing here, right? That's why we have Greenwood. That's why we have all these guys. You just play what's ahead in front of you. When things fall apart, you'll get rid of those players and get in new ones. And I think that's us for this week, Sam. So I guess good luck, guys. And uh, we will be back after the international break for the Game Week 4 preview. Until then, Sam, what should we be getting? Get your green arrows. Green arrows, everyone. Green arrows. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a thing.